Hey everybody, it's Never Heard of a Podcast. I'm Sean Harwell. You're listening to the show where we talk about the movies that have fallen through our cracks and yours. And I'm joined as always by the stone to my sling, Craig Moorhead. Craig, how are you? Um, stone cold good, Sean. Uh, <laughs> everything's still, everything's still uh, working on, on my end. Um, uh, family's still happy and healthy, thank goodness. So... Yeah, just riding that wave as long as we can. I heard uh, that all the schools are going to be defunded now. Oh, really? Okay. If they don't open. So I told my kids, guess what, guys? You don't ever have to go to school again. They got real excited. So uh, that's what's going on on my side, man. What's going on with you? Man, can you imagine if that turns out to be true? I mean, we got a couple <laughs> days before this episode comes out. But good God, hopefully uh, yeah, <laughs> things don't go off the deep end quite we'll that see. far. Uh, I mean, see. they're practically defunded at this point anyway, right? I mean, it's not, it's not like they, yeah, maybe notice the dip at all there, but we'll see. <laughs> it turns out they actually were defunded 25 years ago and nobody <laughs> noticed. Yeah. I wonder how many teachers are like, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway. <clears throat> yeah. We shouldn't laugh about this. No. No. It's working for really a public school. Funny. This is not funny. Um, no. Yeah. And my daughter goes to one. Uh, I'm good. We had a nice weekend. Um uh, it turns out it's tick season here, Craig. Isn't that exciting? Oh, it is. You yeah. know, every every uh, every animal organism must have its day. You know, must have its season to yeah. shine. And now it's the ticks. Yeah, we had it marked on our calendars. We're really looking forward to it. And, sure. Uh, yeah, they uh, they made their way in. I woke up this morning to one crawling across my face. Literally. Oh boy! It's always nice. I really think, like, if anybody comes in possession of true magical powers sometime mm-hmm. in the next, let's say, well, let's just be generous and say uh, our kids and their kids live, we'll, we'll just give them like 150 years or so. Just, Sounds you know, good. Like it's got to be one of the top three things to do is just get rid of all ticks, right? I would think so. I, I haven't really uh, taken a deep dive into how they benefit the ecosystem. In general, outside of I believe that possums enjoy eating them, they do. But I've I think I've heard that it would have very little impact on like the possums eat other things. It's not uh, there's not like an animal right. that's exclusive to ticks as far as their diet goes. I don't think. Yeah. Uh, because if there is, that's almost more disgusting than a tick. It's yeah. I mean yeah. <laughs> What's worse, the tick or the thing that only <laughs> eats ticks? Uh, oh, okay. Still, I hmm. might get one as a pet. Just oh really? Maybe. Okay. Yeah. If it's like a tick bloodhound type this situation, you know, hmm. that might be a good idea. Yeah, that could come in handy. Sure. Anyway, um, yeah. Aside from that, uh, that's um, I'm good. Hopefully tomorrow morning I won't wake up that way. That would be an improvement right there. Yeah, right out of the Boy. gate. Do you have? Can I ask? Do you have like uh, generally like like roaming deer throughout your house? Uh, not you through the doors our house. Open at night? Okay. In our yard, in our neighborhood, we do see them occasionally. Sure. Sure. Bears, possums, gr- lots of groundhogs, mm-hmm. uh, foxes we've had. So yep. we got dogs. So I'm sure, you know, we're a very attractive host family here. All gotcha. said and done. Gotcha. Um, so I get it on their part. Right. But also they can burn in hell. Mm-hmm. My part. <laughs> yes. Yes. Fair enough. Uh, speaking of burning in hell, would you like to tell people where they can come say hello to us or tell us to burn in hell if they want to do so? Uh, absolutely, Sean. Uh, one of the places that you can find us and uh, get in touch with us is at right at the gates of hell itself, Twitter. 
I thought you were going to say Facebook. I'm really well. Oh, Facebook well, is I mean, yeah, I mean, the gates. honestly, yeah. yeah. These, okay. these, this, these are the three circles of hell. Okay. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So mm-hmm. on Twitter, you can find us at Never Podcast. Facebook, we're just Never Podcast. It's very simple. Instagram, it's N H O I T Podcast. That's N H O I T Podcast. So any of those places you can get in touch with us. Uh, I believe on the Facebook page you can find our uh, email address. I think. Yeah. You can also hit us up there. Um, we get we get lots of uh, great uh, suggestions, like the the movie we're doing today. We got us a, a suggestion email through our uh, email address. So mm-hmm. please, please, if you really like something, uh, let us know something that that most people haven't heard of, especially us, and and we'll check it out. Now you can also find the episodes of the podcast on such places as uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor Overcast, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. Uh, any of those places where you can subscribe and leave a review, please do. It helps us. And uh, I know that uh, you want to help. You seem like a helpful person, listener. Mm-hmm. Um, so we really appreciate that. Uh, the same way that I appreciate when Sean tells me about the things that he's been watching since the last time we talked. I will do that oh. right now, Craig. Yes. Okay. So I got a couple things on my docket here mm-hmm. and some stuff I've been wanting to get to. Yeah. And then some stuff I just revisited for the first time in quite a while. So I'm going to start with Yvonne's Childhood, the 1962 war drama from Andre Tarkovsky. Ooh. Uh, have you gone down the Tarkovsky rabbit hole much, Craig? I haven't gone down the Tarkovsky rabbit hole, no, and uh, and I certainly need to, and I, I feel like I have everything at my fingertips right now, Yeah, and I, I need to get on it. Yeah, I've tried before and struggled. I remember mm-hmm. in film school writing about Solaris, Solaris. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, either one. I, remember I like both to, of them. Yeah, <laughs> they're too good. Well, the remake was Solaris. <laughs> yeah, the both, was yeah right, right. Um, Solaris. <laughs> <laughs> okay. tra- that's how Clooney says it, yeah. Sure. Uh, sure. I, I've tried watching Stalker and maybe a couple other things. I feel like I've probably seen Andre Rublev and just have blocked it completely from my feeble mind. But I yeah. did sit down with this. I'm like, I'm going to watch a Tarkovsky movie straight uh, from beginning to end. And ooh, here's one that's only 84 minutes long. I can do that. Right. Dang it. Yeah. Uh, I really liked Yvonne's childhood. I don't think it's quite as probably narratively adventurous as some of his other films, I gather. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's somewhat straightforward, although they, they do play with time a little bit. It's gorgeous, beautiful black and white uh, stuff, some just fantastic shots yeah. in there, and, and that's his thing. And um, Yeah, I, I recommend that. I think that is his first feature, if I'm not mistaken, so you can, it's a good place to start, Craig. I'll just recommend that because right on. Um, I may amend that when I've actually seen <laughs> anything other than <laughs> one other of his movies. But this feels like a good place to start. It's really tangible, and I quite liked it. Great performance uh, from the young child actor in that. Awesome. Just as Humphrey Bogart gave a great child performance in 1942's Casablanca, Craig. I watched that again. Oh, yeah. Yes. The he best. Was, he wasn't a child. That would have been funny. Oh. Somebody, you know, instead of Bugsy Malone, it sh- that should have just been a shot-for-shot remake of Casablanca with kids. I feel like that would have worked better. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, there are a lot of movies that would benefit from just being shot-by-shot remakes with kids. 
I mean, you could yeah. almost not go wrong. Well, I don't know. Maybe uh, mm. that shot for shot psycho remake I had mixed reactions to. So we'll see. It could go wrong, but I don't know, Sean. Yeah. Okay. Um, but okay. Fair enough. I gotta say like, this is one of the first times I've seen this film that, and I've, I've probably seen this thing six times. Sure. Uh, I got the lump in the throat this time. I really did. Nice. Towards the end there. And almost less to do with any sort of the, of the romantic stuff, mm-hmm. but more of just the sort of uh, country um, over uh, individual and, and France over Germany here. Uh, sure. I, I don't know. They start singing anthems and I'm like, I get suddenly like, remember when I we used to feel bit. that way about our anthem? <laughs> right, right. And, you know, maybe it was that. Maybe it was that. But um I also was just digging around in the IMDb trivia for this film and discovered that apparently there were discussions uh, from Madonna who wanted to remake this with herself, I believe, and Ashton Kutcher in like 2000. Wow. (laughs) Can you imagine? Well, now, and as I understand it, uh, Pamela, Pamela, (laughs) Pamela Anderson, Pamela Anderson's barbed wire is basically Casablanca. I don't think you do understand that correctly. I'm not sure that's uh, true I, at I'm, all. I am, and I'm not saying, I don't know, I'm not going to say anything about it. I've never watched Barbed Wire. I just always kind of understood that it was supposed to be during the second American Civil War in 2017, Barbed Wire, that's her name, owns a nightclub called The Hammerhead. Things become complicated when her ex-lover Axel Hood who is married to the fugitive Karina Devonshire, re-enters her life. I think it's Casablanca. I mean, with those names, how did it go wrong? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I really kind of want to see that now. <laughs> okay. I've never uh, heard this curious. theory. Um, we may have to dedicate some energy to this. I don't know. I've never seen Barbed Wire either. Yeah. Oof. Okay. I, let me wrap my head around whether or not I actually want to go through with this. But Okay. There might be something to explore there. Okay. Maybe. Let's let's talk about this because I feel okay. like maybe there's a discussion here. I also finally watched well, let me skip it. I rewatched Last of the Mohicans. Um I hadn't seen that thing in forever. I've never watched it. Never seen this? I gotta see it. No yeah. kidding. Yeah. Uh, I was really struck by the production design this time. There's a lot of interesting stuff going on there on screen that they recreated as far as like building forts and things like that and some of the mm-hmm. period attire and and all that. Um I'll say like the story didn't bowl me over this time mm-hmm. uh, for various reasons and, and mostly to do with the sort of quickness with which uh, Day-Lewis and Madeline Stowe kind of uh, spark flames. All right. God, I love Madeline Stowe, though. She's so good. Yeah. I swear. I just I saw pictures of her recently. I mean, she I, she has not aged at all. If you haven't looked at Madeline Stowe, <laughs> it's, it's remarkable. Anyway, um well done, though. I mean, what an outlier in, like, Michael Mann's filmography, though, this sure. movie is. It's so different. Anyway, um, watch that. It was, you know, it's worth seeing again. And then Knives Out. I finally sat down and watched yeah. Knives Out, Craig, and there's a lot of people that love this movie, and I have to report that I'm not putting myself in that category. I'm sorry to hear that. Are you in that category? Is there? Yes. I liked it a lot. Uh, but... I mean, I liked it a lot because it was exactly the kind of movie I wanted it to be. And it and was the I opposite wonder, for me. <laughs> well, because well, that's the thing. I wonder, like, going in, what were you... You were looking forward to watching it, I assume. 
Yes. You were like, oh, I heard this so. was good. Right. Like, what were you thinking it was going to be? The poster, which is an ensemble mm-hmm. with these folks. Right. That to me suggests, in what I know from the trailers, a grand mystery. Okay. And that, that is not what's happening on screen, you lovers of this film, because, um, I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, Don Johnson, Tony Collette. I mean, I love all of them. Right. They don't, they, they affect the plot in no tangible way in this entire film at all. Interesting. I will, I will stand by this argument until somebody proves otherwise. Mm-hmm. What I did love about this movie was Ana de Armas, uh, who is relegated yes. to the far right corner of the poster, so shame on them. <laughs> and uh, Christopher Plummer, who was great. All their yes. scenes, fantastic. Everybody else, I, I, Daniel Craig, just from the word go, I'm like, I'm not, this is not, I'm not enjoying any of this right now. Well, uh, that is a Chris very Evans. big puzzle piece right there. Yes, yeah. and Chris Evans, I just was like, I, I, I don't want to look at him. I'm not, this isn't working for me at all either. Mm-hmm. But but mostly just, yeah, the mystery. I don't think, like, we know what happens in this movie. We know the outcome and how it got there. And there's just, like, a few little things. Uh, I'm not going to spoil anything, but there's, I feel like there's no red herring. Like, there's no moment where I'm like, Oh, maybe Jamie Lee Curtis did do it. Maybe Michael Sheehan. Like, it just never, ever happened. Chris Evans is the one that would be the obvious finger pointing. Sure. And that kind of panned out. So, I don't know. Didn't didn't work for me. I I will commit to watching it again at some point. Like I say, I was was fairly disappointed. Well, I mean, I will say, if you, if, 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 uh, if Daniel Craig's, southern drawl dude kind of stuck in your craw like th- to me that was a big part that i enjoyed okay. i guess the thing is and it's not because wow he played a southern gentleman perfectly no i don't yeah it's it's honestly it also is a little bit because leading up to watching that i just started reading a slew of agatha christie books mm-hmm. and like that's the thing like like the um yeah, it's not a brilliant mystery. It's not a like at the end where you're just like, oh my God, like this totally changed my life the way like they did all that stuff. But to me, it's like it has that that pleasant mystery and it has that nice sort of undercurrent of things going on that that I was kind of paying a little more attention to, I guess, yeah. that I was a little more keyed into with with the housekeeper and and just that whole dynamic with the things I liked that were her. going on. I did, yeah. Edie oh, Patterson, she was great. Yeah, no is. question about She's it. She's fun. Um, but, th- but that's the thing. Like, I had fun with it, and I wasn't, um, I wasn't expecting, I, and I guess that's not really true. I was kind of expecting an incredible turn at the end. But not getting an incredible turn at the end didn't really, didn't really uh, dampen it for me. Okay. I guess that's the thing. Okay, well, that's I got your the homework atmosphere then. I you, really wanted. Yeah. Okay, yeah. When you watch it again, then pay attention to that turn because to me, that actually made it worse because I, did, I still do not understand why Chris Evans would have hired Daniel Craig in any way, shape, or form to me. Fair it enough. makes no sense. So that was one of those turns that just actually took me out. 
again, I completely recognize that I'm in the minority here. It could be absolutely 100% wrong. Right. So I'll come back to it. Um, and then we can discuss. Maybe. I will say, uh, though, I really did like the specific way the turn happened at the end uh, with, with uh, what, what, what's her name's character. Her Hunted thing about, yeah. Uh, I liked the specific mm-hmm. way that that happened. I liked the staging of it and the, the timing of it. But anyway, yes. She's really good, man. I mean, like I was thinking, I was like, gosh, between this and Blade Runner 2049 and the hell, there was one other movie that she was in recently. Um, ah, oh, geez, I'm blanking on. But uh, she is great. Though. I mean, no yeah. question. I kind of hate to say like she's a new Penelope Cruz, but she kind of like I mean that in like a really high <laughs> in the best compliment. way possible yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, yeah. She was in Yesterday, which I still haven't seen. Yeah, I haven't seen that. Um, but it says that she's uncredited, so that's kind of weird. In Yesterday, and yeah, I know. All right. Well, it says her character Roxanne uncredited, so maybe it's just like a cameo of some kind. Yeah. And then she's in the, the upcoming Bond film, so. Oh, that's cool. <sighs> Shooting star, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. All righty. Well, you tell me, sir. Oh, and I got to add, I finished first season Avatar, The Last Airbender. Yes. Very much enjoy. Have you seen this? You've been watching it? Uh, we're watching it, yeah. We're in the second season right now. Oh, okay. And, yeah, me uh, too. I'm like First five, time ever having in. watched it, and it's, love it, love it. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think like every episode is like, oh my God, you know, right. I am over the age of 15, but right. <laughs> I get it. Like, I totally get it. Like if I had seen this when I was 10, I would have been like, what is this? Like I yeah. could not devour it enough. Like it just has that almost like when I think like the Marvel movies work really well, like it has that kind of humor and mm-hmm. scope to it. But even like the stuff that feels like, you know, as an adult, I can pick up on, oh, they're actually like delivering like a kind of important message or lesson here that you don't see done this way in other like live action things. Yes. And I feel like that would be one of those things that is absorbed by the like target audience for this. Right. uh, In a way that doesn't feel like heavy handed, which is super tricky to do. Well, and that's the thing, yeah. Like, like probably what would have normally kept me away from watching it uh, is just that feeling of uh, like it's a half-hour Nickelodeon cartoon. Oh yeah, I which mean, means like every episode is like, this is why lying is bad, and this yeah. is you know, don't be a bully, and it's just like, uh, yeah, I'm not gonna watch that stuff. But yeah, this is uh, incredible. Just just the fact that 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 you you are um, every episode is pushing the story forward. Yeah. This is a huge story. It's not just, you know, Monster of the Week type show. Nope. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's really kind of amazing, like the way they've done it and the the amount of emotion that you have between these characters and so on. Mm-hmm. It's pretty, uh, pretty great. Um, well, so, yeah. And it's still, I think it still totally fulfills the Nickelodeon cartoon audience. Absolutely. Like it's really funny at times and silly mm-hmm. and goofy, um, but it always kind of reins it in, in a way. That is, uh, it's very impressive. And I'm, I'm almost conflicted not having seen the whole thing about whether or not the idea of like trying to do this as a live action series, which I think Netflix is already in production on or was, is that a good idea or necessary? 
Um, like, I yeah. don't know. Well, like, it, it almost, it, I'm just wondering, having not seen the movie, like, how do you do that sort of silliness, that kind of playfulness, that tone, and still have the mix of the seriousness in action that it does? Like, that is so right. hard in live action. I don't know. We'll see. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, if you, uh, you definitely could. Absolutely. You, you could get the right talent together. But I got to say, I, I watched some clips of the live action movie. Yeah, I saw just the trailer. To try and, uh, yeah, well, I was just trying to get a sense of like, wow, why did this thing tank? And I mean, yeah. the clip I watched was just, there was, it, it was a fight scene and there was zero energy in it. Yeah. And, and zero, was, well, at least from that zero, trailer, like, like no humor. Yes. That, it, yeah. it didn't have that sort of like flicker of life. Um, right. And like, yeah, my daughter was like screaming. He's like, that's Zuko. No, he doesn't even blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, yeah, actually, along with the humor, there's also like really great suspense. Mm -hmm. Like there have been some really great suspense moments uh, in this thing. Um, So uh, and and what I've heard is the other reason that we started watching it was it was like if you, you know, if you want kind of a good, long, epic story that has a really good ending this is it. So I'm like, great. So oh, it's not going to be something that just kind of peters out and they stop making them. Yeah. Well, they like, did three seasons, which there's still, right. there's like what, 13 episodes per season. So it's a lot of, it's a lot of TV. Um, yeah. Well, I thought the first one was like 20 episodes. Actually, you might be right. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think they were still doing normal, normal TV season, rules back yeah. in those days. So, um, yeah, I mean, I can see that being like, okay, yeah, that's a good place to end it. Right. But there yeah. is that legend of Korra, which is, I think a, a sequel series of some kind. Yeah. That, uh, I don't know, we'll go down that rabbit hole at some point. But yeah, I think Ingrid actually has watched through the whole thing twice now or close to it. Wow. Crazy. She loved it, yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. We, we've been sitting down every night and watching with the kids. Nice. Uh, it, like sometimes two a night. Um, but just, yeah, it's it's just great. Like everybody, it's like the highlight of everyone's day right now. Cool. Well, what else uh, have you seen? So, uh, seen that, started watching Barry, which is fantastic. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Uh, yeah, we're still in the first season of that, but but really loving that. Um, movie wise, we uh, with the kids we watched Dick Tracy and Bringing Up Baby. Wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah, both of those worked really well with them. Not Dick kidding. Tracy was, I mean, honestly, it's a kids movie, which in a weird way I never thought about it as a kids movie, but it is. I know. I, I guess because uh, it came out after Batman, right? Right. And so Batman is obviously way darker than Dick yeah. Tracy. Yeah, so I, th- I don't know. I think even in like at that age, I was expecting something more akin to Batman just because of how it was presented to us right. as children. Well, I mean, and it's I mean, it's gangsters. Like yeah. even if it's cartoon character gangsters, like they're still shooting guns and stuff. You'd, yeah. you'd expect something a little more, but but both of those went over big. Uh, nice. And uh, except for the one thing I was going to say is we watched we watched them both on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. And I'm convinced the streaming quality on HBO Max is not good. And I mean... I haven't tried it yet. Um, yeah, it's not just a slow connection. It's like there's something muddy about it, and I, I really don't like to watch anything on HBO Max right now. No, that's too bad. It is. It, it, uh, hopefully were that you watching changes. on projector? We were watching on projector, yeah. Yeah, we I wonder watch, if it's... Uh, hmm. well, well, we watch, like, we watch stuff on... You know, from Netflix on the projector, we oh, watched Disney stuff from Plus Amazon. Looks amazing, yeah. And Disney Plus, yeah, Disney Plus looks great. And for some reason, HBO Max was like just 
I don't know. It looked cruddy, Weird. but it could be like maybe they just don't. They're not paying attention to Dick Tracy, and you know, yeah, it's like, like something. A, exactly. Uh, it's no excuse, though. I don't know. Yeah, I, I and I thought bringing a baby had like a Criterion, you know, transfer or something. Yeah. Like, um, but uh, I think that right. did not look very good either. So. Huh. Uh, but both movies are great. Obviously, uh, we watched. Oh, this is kind of neat. We watched. Uh, a documentary about Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers called Running really? Down a Dream. Okay. With your children? Uh, no. Oh, okay. Lord, no. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> Sorry, okay. no. Uh, now, the, this documentary was uh, directed by Peter Bogdanovich. Oh, fun. It's a four-hour documentary. Now, I am not a huge fan of Tom Petty. His good songs are really good. Oh, man. Everybody knows them. them. Yeah. Absolutely. I love them. And there's this so many was, too. Like even like I'm oh, not, yeah. I haven't done the deep dive, but there's just so many where you're like, oh my God, yeah. I know all Absolutely. Of yeah. There, there are ones that you forgot, and even the ones you forgot are like, wow, that's a really good song. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is a four-hour documentary. And I mean, they go from childhood <laughs> through to I think like 2016. They didn't start and with I mean, conception. <laughs> absolutely. But here's the thing, man. Like, again, I'm not a I'm not a Tom Petty super fan. So they go they go and get into the weeds on some of these albums that I've never even listened to. Mm-hmm. But this documentary is so well done. Nice. It's just a story from beginning to end. It's just people telling a story that you're following. It's not like, and then we made this one, and that guy was crazy, and then we fired the drummer. Then on and the we next did drugs. One, yeah. yeah, it was like it was just this great story the whole way through. But the probably the best thing about it is, and this is kind of amazing, and I because I don't think a lot of other documentaries can duplicate this. Somebody seemed to always be filming Tom Petty since he was a kid. Wow. <laughs> because, I mean, you've got footage when Tom Petty forms a band called Mud Crutch, yeah. which is the first band that they you know, did before it became Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Mm-hmm. I mean, but you have tons of footage. Like we, we, we set up this concert in the woods because we just wanted to play somewhere. They cut Somebody to filmed it. footage of them in the... Yeah, it's just like... And I mean, all the way through. Every album... There's footage of them in the studio, you know, every tour, there's footage of them like from the very beginning. And that was amazing. And this, we watched this just after we watched the Beastie Boys story on Apple TV. I still have not seen that. It's by Jones, right? Definitely worth it. Yeah. It's definitely worth it. If you like the Beastie Boys and you've ever liked some of their songs, I was crazy for their first one and a little bit crazier for their second one. And I've liked other stuff since then, but like Paul's Boutique is like, it's, it's absolutely my favorite. Mm. Regardless, that one, to me, that was not a terrific movie. Well, that's like intercut with them sort of speaking on stage and stuff, right? Mike D and... Yes. Um, yeah, Ed Rock. Interesting. Yeah. And it is, it's like Oscar Awards show level scripting of them talking mm. and sort of making haha jokes that seem completely rehearsed for like like just it is it's stiff and stilted and it doesn't feel like the beastie boys at oh, all it's bad. still interesting yeah. it's still interesting like they get into stuff and you see some video of stuff that you've never seen before and it's definitely some interesting stuff but like as it goes on they just don't even talk about the last few albums they did mm. They almost completely skip over Hello Nasty. Like there's, I don't know. It just felt totally incomplete. Yeah. And 
and not what I wanted from them. Like any band I like, I want to watch uh, a four hour documentary yeah. by Peter Bogdanovich because that, awesome. <laughs> that was incredible. Where did, where is that streaming or where did you see that? Oh, I think it was on Amazon prime. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we broke it up over four nights and yeah. it, it was, I loved it. Um, Two more things I want to recommend. There's a podcast called Strong Songs. Okay. And this is partially because lately I've kind of been writing and recording stuff and trying my best to actually make a song that's good. Which we'll be playing uh, in our podcast next week, by the way. Absolutely. That's all it's going to be. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, but this guy takes uh, random great songs and breaks them down. Like he broke down God Only Knows mm -hmm. by the Beach Boys. Yeah. Uh, a couple things from Elton John. He breaks down a song from Hamilton. But I mean, he he gets into like, like you'll hear this musical phrase and then in the right channel at the end, you hear the same musical phrase and it's kind of an echo of this. And I love it. He just deconstructs these um, songs for an hour. Yeah, nice. May, that maybe is boring for a lot of people, but no, I, I think it's love cool. it. I love it. Strong Songs is a podcast. And I find I just read. I'm not in high school, Sean, but I just read for the first time. Catcher in the Rye. <laughs> yeah, and man, I feel seen. No, um, I just read the book. I know why the cage bird sings. Okay, yeah, by Maya Angelou. And here's something that most people don't need to know, but I'm going to tell you anyway. She's an incredible writer. <laughs> That book is amazing. Mm. I was not prepared. I thought, well, I'll sit down. I've not read this. It's been on the bookshelf for a million years. Uh, it's a classic. People love it. Everyone's assigned it. You're like boring. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. I mean, just the language in it would pull you through. Even if you didn't care about the story, it's really, really good. So I, uh, anyone who's not read that, please do yourself a favor. Well, I, I think it's been it. high school since I did. So I should go back yeah. and revisit it. Oh, man. It's great. Yeah, it is beautiful. Next, you can read some so, uh, Toni Morrison. Have you done that? Before? I haven't read any tw okay. Toni Morrison. Yeah, Song of Solomon. So, Check that out. Really I got good. yeah, I got a lot to do. I will. Cool. So that's all I've got. Maybe we should dive into the movie. Let's do it. Uh, the movie we're talking about today is called The Beast, and that's what we're going to refer to it from now on. And I'll tell you mm -hmm. why in a little bit, but. When you're searching for it, if you haven't already done so, you might have to type in The Beast of War. This is a 1988 adventure drama, war drama, um, directed by Kevin Reynolds and written by William Mastro Simone. Uh, probably butchered that again based on his play. You got George Dunza, Jason Patrick, Stephen Bauer, Stephen Baldwin, Don Harvey. Uh, let's see, Eric Avari. Um, Haim uh, Jarafi. That looks like our major players there. Yeah. But of course, if you listen to the TF episode, you can get all that stuff and a bit of a deep dive into the folks that made this and some behind the scenes stuff. But, Craig, mm. I'm going to give the log line and then a little special report. Okay. Oh, well, I can't wait. Yeah. So, this is according to letterboxedtoday.com for our synopsis here. During the war in Afghanistan, a Soviet tank crew commanded by a tyrannical officer find themselves lost in a struggle against a band of Mujahideen guerrillas in the mountains. That seems like a pretty fair synopsis, right? Yeah, absolutely. And tagline again, because it's right here in front of me, war brings out the beast in every man. Hmm. 
Oh man, I want to ask so bad if it brought out the beast in you, Craig. But <laughs> it, it surely did. Yeah, but yeah, I know it did. But first, as we mentioned yeah. in our tee up, uh, this film was produced uh, in part by Dale Pollock, who is a former professor and dean of ours from the University of North Carolina School of the Arts. Mm-hmm. And so I reached out to Dale, and he was kind enough to give me some little deets that uh, like this. we could put on the record here. So well, I'm going to start with this one, which is The Beast was the original title of the film. Somehow the foreign title, The Beast of War, which originated on the French poster, became the official title of the film. But the movie I made was called The Beast. So, so we yeah, will call it, it is the, now the beast. beast. Yes. Right on. And uh, there's more that I will get into this, Craig, but I don't want to go second further Oh, without hearing from you. And let's just set the stage. It's 1980, let's say seven, maybe. Mm-hmm. We're a year ahead of uh, release here. You walk in. I'm just going to call you Kevin. Oh, God. Yeah. You've... Uh, Written a little movie called Red Dawn. Right. Looking to, you know, step up game, make something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm at Columbia, right? Right. Beautiful office. Um, just massive, right? <laughs> they're, they're doing all right at Columbia. <laughs> yeah. Secretaries yeah. in every corner, right? Right. I have one to just take notes on what the other one is doing and then et cetera, et cetera. That's pretty good. Is Sony, is like Sony trying to buy you right now? Is that mm, kind of what's going it's on? It's a little early for that. Okay. Who's Sony? What are they making? Walkman? Come on. They're not movie. <laughs> They're going to make <laughs> you're movies. Right, you're right. I, I don't what know what I'm talking thinking. about here. They make VCRs. Sorry. They don't make movies. Right. Okay. Um, how would you pitch this movie to me? What's your elevator pitch for the beast? Well, here's the thing. You know, uh, I, I I really liked making Red Dawn. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, you know it, 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 it did well, and uh, a lot of kind of themes I, I touched on there that I really enjoyed. But here's the thing: hating commies. I mean, hating commies like that's <laughs> that's really the bread and butter of most war movies. Okay, yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what if I'm just saying? What if we made a movie that focused entirely on uh, one set of commies Hmm. who aren't totally bad, Hmm. but are basically the bad guys. And then pretty much the good guys are the Afghanis. Hmm. What do you think about that? What do you think about that? We'll start a movie off. Okay. Yeah, I, I believe me, I know. I know what you're thinking. I'm going to wrap my head around uh, 1987 here. I hear you. But that's, that's the incredible hook of it, right? Everybody's expecting like, Schwarzenegger to walk in with like an M60 so everybody's like oh he's a good guy okay I get it we're not going to give him that that out this time this movie's going to be really exciting because you're really going to have to think while you watch this movie this by the way action packed movie from the very beginning of the movie you have tank shells going off houses blowing up people running screaming high emotions High emotions is what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. We're going to set them up right at the beginning, and then it's going to be two solid hours of people sort of chasing each other to get the upper hand to take them out. These Afghanis, they're chasing a, a, a tank to get revenge on it for destroying their village. And one of the Russians in this tank, he's having a problem with how, uh, how things are being handled on the Russian side. Hmm. 
Oh yeah, we're gonna dig into into the history of 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 we're gonna dig a little bit into World War II even and the feelings from World War II and how the Russians felt about that and now what's going on in, in Afghanistan. Oh boy, let me tell you something. Yeah, you put this, you put my movie here, mine, my buddy Dale's on this too. You put this <laughs> in front of the cameras. I'm telling you, you're gonna have something very very special. Okay. Okay. It, it's going to make, I, I think it's going to make a lot of money, but number two, it's going to be a jewel in your crown for a long time to come. Mm, I do like jewels. I do have a crown. Mm. What, the only thing I really heard out of that was the part about two hours. Can you knock it down to an hour 51? <sighs> Take your time. The nine, the nine minutes, that's, that's when the love scene happens. But okay, <laughs> you're right. We don't need to have a love scene in the middle of this movie. Hour 51, no problem. Go make your movie. I promise you, I'll be here when you're done. Oh, <laughs> good. Good. I've never felt uh, like someone's told me something more truthful. I mean, they're not kicking me out of here, right? <laughs> no, you're not going. You're not going anywhere. Okay. Uh, thank you, Craig. Now, right. it turns out the reality there was, was not the case for, for my, I think, pretty damn good impression of a Columbia executive, yeah, that right? That was really good. Thank yeah. you. Okay, here's some more from Dale. And I wanted to get to this kind of early on because, uh, you know, we touched on it a little bit in the tee-up, but I do think it's, it's really important. He said, the reason nobody has heard of this film is that it was one of the first projects David Putnam put into production when he took over Columbia Pictures. He was gone six months later, and Don Still, who took over Columbia, hated this film because it had subtitles. God Damn it. You know, you notice I didn't even ask about subtitles, right? Yeah. Come on, this is why I got a crown, <laughs> yeah. right? Uh, it was given a very limited release, one theater each in New York and L.A. But he adds, this is Dale, it is an insanely popular title among military veterans. I still get letters from them yeah. about the film, which is awesome. I don't doubt it. I don't either. And we talked a little bit about Dale Dye's involvement and sort of yeah. um, his quest to make this the ultimate tank movie. So, um, yeah, I'm really curious. You know, we, again, should thank the user who, we're not going to read his email or her email address um, mm -hmm. on, on air here, but thank you for the suggestion. Um, I have reached out to that person to let them know that it did take us a couple months, but here we are. We did watch it. <laughs> um, hopefully yes. you're listening eventually. And um, I think both of us were excited about the prospect of this, love a good war movie, but just in general, like thinking about the notion of this war, you know, yeah. <laughs> being made by yeah. Americans and not Andre Tarkovsky uh, in the eighties. I mean, it is, yeah. like you touched on it, I think in your pitch there, and I would be curious to know sort of how it was indeed sold to a studio that this was the thing to make. love yeah. to have been in those rooms. Well, maybe yeah. we'll ask Dale, but um, what did you think overall about this movie? And uh, did you learn anything, Craig? <laughs> Well, I learned something new every day, mm. Sean. And uh, what I learned about this is that I did enjoy it very much. Uh, it, as I was saying in the pitch, like that was kind of how I felt R right from the very beginning. I'm so conditioned. Uh, I don't know, as as an American moviegoer, maybe. Mm -hmm. So conditioned to just feel like. Uh, I don't know. It was such an interesting setup, especially for a movie in 1988. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I've got a, a, a village in Afghanistan. Everyone seems great. Seems like a happy life, right? That's how we start off the whole movie. And then Russian tanks come in and blow it to smithereens. Yep. And then the tank crew we're going to follow are a bunch of American actors playing the Russians. And I mean, they they don't just blow up the village. Ooh, God, right? no. I mean, yeah, if you left this it at movie that, is incredibly ballsy yeah. as far as I'm concerned. And, and again, that's why I would love to know how this, how it really got made because, I mean, within the first, well, I don't know if it's the first 15 minutes, but that whole destruction of the village is bloody, bloody and brutal. Mm-hmm. Uh, might even to say the point, hardcore, yeah. Craig. You might say hardcore. It, it is, it is hardcore. Just like it you. is hardcore. Yep. Just, just like I, how I live my life. Uh, and I mean, I wasn't expecting that. Like our, our American actors in this movie are definitely the bad guys. Even the one guy who kind of felt like this isn't great. He still did a pretty terrible thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, like it just didn't pull punches that I expected to be pulled. And uh, so it's kind of, I guess that's the thing is like right from the beginning, I really respected the movie. And, and I, I don't think it ever let me down on that, on that level. Like I think yeah. it, um, it was very intense. It kept the, the action going, but it also was like really kind of delving into this politics, which I think as you mentioned in the, in the tee up was like, you can't name another movie that's about this war. I feel like at least not another American movie. Yeah. That, that I can think of certainly not from the era. Um, so anyway, I enjoyed it absolutely the whole way through. And, um, I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm very excited to uh, hear what you thought. Well, I'll do you one better on the not okay. naming another movie about this war. I mean, I was thinking it in terms of my entire lifetime and nearly any movie that deals with a war that is not Vietnam or earlier. <laughs> and well, even yeah, World War II, World War One. It doesn't even have to right. be a war. How many movies have we seen in, in our lifetimes, Craig, where the bad guys were either Russian or Arab? Like, that's like oh, absolutely. All of them, right? You know? Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, like, and, yeah, ex ex especially, yes. Yes, that's exactly it. Especially in the 80s. Yeah. That's how I should have pitched it in the first place. You know how Russians and, yeah. <laughs> and you know how people in the Middle East are always the bad guys? Yes. That's all you're going to get in this movie. It wasn't limited um, to the 80s, though, right? Uh, that has not no. been the case. And uh, no. yeah, it's just sort of fascinating to see that here and um, and really kind of sit with this. And also, I think really fascinating to watch this for us sort of post 9-11, right? Because mm -hmm. of the part that Afghanistan plays and even just looking at it from that perspective and and thinking about it in the terms that we've kind of known it to be and thinking, I almost found myself even more appreciating the fact that they used American actors in this because to me, it's like, it has this extra layer now of like, oh yeah, remember when we invaded these countries? 
um, yeah. under some, you know, uh, and I know like countries, Iraq, and I, I know they're different countries and the circumstances were different. But still, um, we have waged battle in that part of the world for so long. And here this is like a movie um, about Russia, where Russia are the bad guys for doing this exact thing. Right. But they're played I mean, by Americans, a, right? And so... Well, yeah. And, and I mean, that's, and, and it's, that's a very good point yeah. that I didn't even think of. And, you know, it's a point that's brought up in the movie in terms of like the, the commander of the tank mm-hmm. who, uh, as a little boy fought in Stalingrad during the, uh, during World War II against the Nazis Yep, when he was on the right side of things. He was the one putting grenades in Nazi tanks. Yeah. As a kid. Exactly. Yeah. And, and which is a point of pride for him. And yet he kind of can't see how he's on the other side of it right now. Which is, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the movie's got a lot of juice like that. Yeah, I know. I love it. So, I, yeah, I'm very curious to know if, like, Kevin Reynolds and, and Dale here at some point were going, like, hmm, see how we predicted the future a little bit? <laughs> no, I don't know. But it, it well, is. I'm, I'm um, actually kind of curious to know if, uh, if this was any inspiration for Three Kings. I thought of Three bit. Kings a lot uh, yeah. watching this. Yeah. And the tone is different for sure. Yeah. But I can see how it would have been a good resource if yeah. nothing else. Yeah. So I, I really appreciated that. I just thought that was kind of fascinating and, and couldn't have been really foreseen when they made it. And here it is now almost existing uh, in a different kind of experience with just a sort of life that that we've had as americans in the past Mm -hmm. 20 years so that that's just kind of crazy and it kind of made me wonder too is like i wonder if they were criticized at a certain point for using american actors not even bothering with russian accents which i I for one am certainly glad they didn't um yeah i did find myself thinking i wonder what this movie would have looked like if it were made by russians like i don't think it would have been made at all obviously in the 80s like that's not gonna (laughs) pass the censors but um you know, if this is, and, and there may be films about this conflict made by Russians now, sure. and it would be interesting to sort of see that perspective. Um, cause certainly it is easier to criticize from a distance, mm-hmm. um, both sides, but that's not yeah. what this is. Like it, it is really quite nuanced and I enjoyed that. I thought Jason Patrick, man, pretty damn oh, solid here. He was kind of like, firing at 11 for me the whole way through yes uh zunza was great as that sort of um sadistic almost maniacal uh tank captain captain Mm -hmm. would you call him a captain is he captain i kept thinking of as commander commander yeah yeah. okay they don't have the rank here on uh, imdb but nonetheless um so performances were good Mm -hmm. one thing craig about the casting Okay. Now, if I had been the executive watching the dailies, maybe I would have caught this and said something. Right. Stephen Baldwin and Don Harvey look like GD twins in this thing. Did you notice that <laughs> at times? Yes. There were definitely moments where it, it, I wasn't entirely sure who I was looking at. Yeah. Until, like, when, you know, especially when they had, like, the hats on. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, Stephen Baldwin gets the, the head injury. And then after that, I was like, okay, now I can. But yeah, they're very similar. Yeah, this looking. is crazy. Like, uh, you know, yeah. um, it, it's just nuts. Like, uh, they could almost pass as brothers or cousins when they're standing yeah. side by side. And uh, Don Harvey again plays uh, Officer Kaminsky, who's um, mm-hmm. a little on the uh, 
crazy side himself here. Sure. But I thought that was great. I thought he was good. Um, Stephen Bauer, who plays, uh, God help me. Contage. You, do you pronounce it Khan or Khan? Uh, probably Khan would yeah. be more Because I always think of Star Trek or at the Khan, right? You know? Right. <laughs> by the way. Um, but he goes by Taj, I mean, but he is the Khan of this town. Um, I think he's Cuban, actually, which is kind of interesting. Yes. Yeah. He was good. I don't, I don't right. know. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think of like a much other else I've seen him in. But yeah, it's sort of the leader. Well, the um, grieved and revenge-driven um, Mujahideen of this town. Mm-hmm. Who did you say how his uh, how his brother died in the opening? No, do we want to spoil that? <laughs> I I, I kind of don't. Yeah, okay, we'll leave it's that not, one. It's insane. Yeah, it's not something that I feel like I've seen in a movie before. I know, and it surely and it has happened though, right? A hundred percent sadistic. Yeah, and 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 yeah, sets up what's to come. Everything in a, in a in a great way, mm-hmm. like really winds up that. That clock. So, yeah. No, we won't spoil that. Yeah. And I'm going to talk about the tanks in one second here. Uh, again, just referencing Dale's email. But so they roll in and they destroy this town. That literally is the opening. And it, it culminates in this very massive act of uh, individual violence against um, the sort of like head of this town. And after that, they do fire back and the tank flees and goes into a valley and kind of pulls uh, a Bugs Bunny and takes the, the wrong turn to Albuquerque into mm-hmm. this valley where there's really <laughs> only one way in and one way out. And that's kind of the setup, right? Yeah. I mean, that's sort of the inciting incident is, mm-hmm. is right there in the opening. And then they're put into this moment. And something that is so incredibly obvious that I as... Um, the farthest thing from a militarily minded individual. I mean, I can't imagine a recruit uh, that I would be uh, in any way, shape or form. I think they would actively try to uh, encourage me not to join the military. Mm, Yeah. Never really thought about the fact of fighting in the desert in tanks, the immediate ability to track them wherever they go. Sure. And I do want, I, like, yeah. I don't know anything technologically about ha- has this ever been resolved? Like, have they ever come up with a way to do this where it's not, where well, it almost covers its own track somehow? Now, yeah. Now they have a, a guy who comes behind it with a broom. Oh, really? Okay. He's like curling. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. So, you know, it's just one of these things where you think about fighting in the desert. And obviously, America had it. It's just kept thinking about um, Gulf War II, you know, uh, yeah. the difficulties of, having all the resources in the world not being enough against, well, Vietnam as well, which, of course, I'm sure is why it was so easy for critics of the time to draw parallels um, with this movie to Vietnam Yeah, um, in the situation there. But, yeah, I just I, I thought all that stuff was sort of interesting from a sort of even a tactical, strategical point of view that, yeah, you got a group of people, if they have one RPG launcher, which they did in this case, and they know the terrain better than you do, and you're leaving freaking, you know, um, foot-wide tracks everywhere you go. Yeah. Where are you going to hide? There's no right. trees. There's, you know, what are you going to do? Um, you just have to rely on your firepower and your ability to go faster than they can move. Exactly. Which I think was demonstrated really well 
fairly early on. Mm-hmm. And it, and for me, it needed to be because I'm thinking, okay, yeah, you probably have a gun on there and you have these enormous tank shells. Yeah. And like, that's, that's pretty much the limits of your ability. And they have at least one sequence where they really demonstrate like how quickly this thing can start destroying things. Uh, and it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty impressive. It really is. I mean, you know, it's funny because I, I just watched that movie, The Bridge, the German film I was telling you about, and yeah. there's an incredible sequence with tanks in there. And my God, like uh, this movie, I thought did a really good job of actually juxtaposing the effect of a grenade compared to yeah. a tank. And like, you know, that seems, again, obvious to say, but there's some really great scenes that you get a very um, specific use cases for those where the, the grenade is effective uh, against a tank and where it's just like utterly ineffective uh, in so many other ways compared to a tank. But here we go. Let's talk about the tanks for a second. And, and we talked a little bit about this just from that Dale Dye sort of diary, but here's Dale's take on this, right? He said one of the best stories uh, involved how they got those tanks. He says, mm-hmm. one of the reasons we decided to shoot in Israel, aside from it being a surprisingly good match for Afghanistan, and it does look incredible, um, Absolutely. was they had captured Russian tanks and helicopters in the 1967 and 1973 wars. They were willing to let us use the equipment gratis, but we had to pay the crews. This was a deal made with the then Commerce Minister, Ariel Sharon, who would later go wow. on to be the Prime Minister, right? Yeah. Crazy. So as our start date grew nearer, the tanks were nowhere in sight, and Sharon had stopped returning our calls. We were two days away from our start of filming and no tanks. So I announced we were pulling out of Israel. I fired the entire crew, and we began scouting locations in Spain. The next day, the tanks arrived. <laughs> uh, he also said the opening sequence was the first thing that they shot. Which I think is oh cool yeah that's such a luxury right and it makes so much sense especially oh, yeah. in this it's just like it sets a tone for the entire thing and I'm sure like getting those dailies back and going oh my god this thing looks incredible right yeah which that's actually something I wanted to touch on too here I found watching this and again like this isn't like the biggest budget action movie in the entire world especially in the 80s right yeah I thought it looked really really good and mm-hmm. I was just thinking about how slick some movies in the 80s like this looked, you know. Right. But in a way that to me is more natural than I think. Mm -hmm. Like in the 90s, I felt like, you know, they started doing like color desaturation and all these things and, you know, making things look a little grittier. But in the 80s, like it just has this like impeccably clean look at times. And I was thinking again just about, man, like the desert is like, that's such a great, great filmic movie setting. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. just so, even in Three Kings, which has a very stylized look to it, that's, I don't think, natural, I wouldn't say. No, yeah. But like from Lawrence Arabia onward, like there's a shot that must have been done, magic hour, either morning or, or afternoon, of uh, the group of women from that town who had a nice little, you know, sea storyline, I guess, probably in this, yes. in, the, in the scope of the script. Um you know, you, a, you just have the uh, like an you know almost ever present horizon, um, mm-hmm. and they're in silhouette, and the sky is this crazy like pink purple color, and the sun doesn't yeah. even look normal, but it's just like it's beautiful, right? It is beautiful, and yeah, that's that's also one of the great things about a movie from 
1988 is you know that if it actually looks like they shot it in the desert, they shot it in the desert. Yeah. Like you don't have to uh, worry you're going to see the seams of the CGI. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, I, I really liked the way it was shot, you know, for a, a, as heightened a movie as it is. It stays very grounded. And a lot of it like you is kind of a you are there feel mm-hmm. to it. That I really like, and I, like I like how how, especially how like the 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 cramped quarters of the inside of the tank were taken care of. How do you? I, and I, sh- I should have asked Dale, and maybe I will. How do you shoot that? Is that that has to be constructed, right? I'm. I would assume, yeah. You're taking a or or you're taking Michelle. like panels yeah. off of another one, and you got the cameras outside because I don't know way you could. Get I could be totally wrong, but I don't think, yeah, I don't think they were having giant Panavision cameras inside of a tank. Yeah. Yeah. Although it is, it is super cramped. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe they just took, yeah, it does I look mean, good. It really looks good. And it's really important yeah. to, to, that it feels the way that it looks. And like. I, I'm still like, I feel like it just has to be one of those things where you just got to see it in person. Like, I still don't have a good sense of like, how big yeah. is the inside of a tank? I, I, I was like, I got to right. get, get in one of these sometime, you know, Dukakis style. And roll down the street. And how bad, yeah, when you're when you're in a tank with four guys riding through the desert all day, how bad does it stink inside? It's got to be bad. There's not air conditioning in No, there. but I did like that um, we see, and they make good use of, there's a bottom hatch that they can open up every now and then, which was yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's cool. You know, they use gas canisters at one point um, to mm-hmm. uh, smoke some people away from their tank in that opening, which I thought was really cool. And then they hide under there, too, and make an escape at one point yeah. so yeah it's cool it's like a, a little cruise ship bedroom it's got all these little compartments tucked away for, for, for all kinds yeah. of fun things it's not like cruise ship bedroom at all. anyway um i wanted to just sort of touch on sort of i guess like the other sort of big moment um that sort of sets the plot in motion uh there is a character uh samad played by eric avari who is uh an afghan mm-hmm. but he has Pledge allegiance to the party and is working for Russia as a translator, more or less, uh, for this mm-hmm. tank crew. And I, I thought that was a really interesting character. And he has some very good, I think, conversations, both performance-wise and dialogue-wise, with Jason Patrick. And he sort mm-hmm. of explains that, you know, he is looking at this situation and this conflict as a means to bring Afghanistan, the country that he loves, into the 20th century, right? And so this is yeah. an opportunity for him to learn technological means that could be applied for further benefits um, down the line. Uh, naive, probably, maybe. Um, right. Traitorous, I don't know. I mean, I think they, they did a good job of, of sort of making what felt to me a, a, like a believable motive there. Sure. Um, he also sort of explains the code of ethics that they have um, there, at least in this town. And I'm really, really mad at myself because there were three things mentioned and I only remember two of them. Um, (laughs) One of which was revenge, which was. Mm -hmm. Badal. Badal. Do you remember how it was spelled? I had the captions on it. B-A-D-A-L. Okay. There you go. Badal. Revenge. And then. Nanawate, which I can't remember. Did you pronounce right now or did you, did we butcher that last time? (laughs) 
I definitely butchered it. Oh, I thought uh, you were close. Well, okay. I don't know. I, I said it 12 different ways, so one of those <laughs> was correct. Hedge your bets. Um, right, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. Which is mercy, and like even if it's your enemy, right? Yeah. Which is it's so kind of fascinating um, just to think about that going hand in hand with the sense of revenge and this notion, which does get discussed of dying you know, in, in battle as being something honored by Allah, um, as a gateway to paradise, right. Mm-hmm. In the afterlife. And all that stuff is, is such important, I think, context because of how much that group plays a part in this storyline, which I wasn't sure it was. There's a lot of parallel action cross-cutting, uh, mm-hmm. back from the tank crew to the Mujahideen as they set off to get Badal and get the revenge. But then Jason Patrick, who is already sort of butting heads and being called, you know, subordinate by Zunza, um, is asked at one point to kill Samad and refuses to do it. And then when they stop to a ri- at a river, Zunza sends Samad into the river. Well, A, he interrupts him during prayer to go do this and orders him to do it, which, of course... It's about as big of an insult as you could give and ask him to walk into the river to see how deep it is. And if there's stones or sand on the bottom and why he's out there, he shoots them dead. Yep. And that's like it for Patrick. And so they then of course have a disagreement that is not going to just be resolved by him being in the tank at this point. And ultimately Jason Patrick is tied to a rock and left for dead with the grenade, with the pin pulled underneath the back of his head. Yeah. Booby trapped, essentially. And that was like, holy hell. Um, yeah. I was like, okay. I wasn't, you know, you can feel the sort of divide coming, but I wasn't sure. Like, again, like it's always sort of um, devil's in the details, right? That's what makes it a good sort of second act moment or a not very interesting right. second act moment. To me, I was like, okay. You got my attention here. How is this going to play out? And they do the great thing where you get the shot of like wild dogs just roaming through the desert and they find um, Jason Patrick and start nipping at his heels. And he's, you know, writhing around to the best that he can. And that grenade just sort of rolls down the side of his body off the rock and like blows up and kills one of those dogs, splatters blood all over him. Um, Just great. But he is then discovered by the women um, who uh, I think the, the sort of main woman character was the wife of the man who was killed in the opening um, yes. very horribly. I'm blanking who, on who, her name. Yeah, Constantine, yeah, oh, drove Sharina, over. Like he was in the driver's seat. Yeah. And being, you know, being forced to do it. But, I mean, she remembers, yeah. Yeah, so Jason Patrick does have blood on his hands as an officer who followed command. But sh- they would discover him. They start throwing rocks at him, and it's just like, oh, my God. Like, you can imagine, like, oh, <laughs> yeah. being tied with no way to defend or block yourself. His glasses get destroyed. Um, but then the Taj shows up, and what is Patrick saying? He's saying Nanawate. So they give him mercy. And mm-hmm. then kind of, if that's like a midpoint, and I'm not sure it is strictly speaking 
to the running length time a midpoint, but it it, feel, it works as a midpoint nonetheless. Yeah. Um, you almost get into hell in the Pacific territory a little bit of, of this sort of great kind of like, you know, there's not just conveniently one Mujahideen who speaks English you know, mm-hmm. um, or Russian in this case. So uh, they have to go through those sort of like growing pains of learning to how to communicate in a way that's, you know, save Jason Patrick's life. And, um, and they, they sort of, I don't know, I, I thought uh, inventively covered that ground in a way that to me felt completely acceptable. Right. Yes. Uh, yeah. And, and I liked very much how right after they got him, uh, they take him to this sort of cave system, mm. which, which was a, what a great location. Yeah. A. Awesome. Uh, but B, uh, as I remember anyway, the subtitles kind of drop out for this sequence. Yeah. Because, yeah, you're, you're kind of being put in Constantine's shoes almost completely. You know, he's sitting here on one side of this fire and everybody else is on the other side, just kind of looking at him. And everybody's got their own ideas about what they want to do with this guy. And just him trying to understand and communicate to the other, to the con or whoever else is talking uh, very, very effective. Like I, I didn't really notice until toward the end that the the subtitles had kind of gone away, and I wasn't seeing what uh what the Afghani's were were saying. I thought um, I saw subtitles. That's there, interesting. Well, there were, I, I think there were some okay. when they were talking between each other, but not always. Yeah, uh, yep. Okay. But I feel like for yep. him, like there wasn't. Correct. Yes. Uh, You're right. Yeah. 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 It's a really yeah. good scene. Um, yes, absolutely. Uh, and played well. And kind of the end point of it is they have an RPG. They don't quite know how to use. It's broken in some way, and Patrick fixes it and then is told he should be the one to um, destroy the tank, right? Yeah. And, you know, he, I think they use the sort of the visual of him looking down at the rope burns on his wrist, and that's kind of like him deciding... Okay, <laughs> yeah. if it's my life or theirs, um, I will blow up that tank, right? And also right. maybe enjoy it a little bit uh, in the process. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I thought all that was great, you know, and it does sort of um, then kind of set up a bit of, uh, you know, the cat and mouse chase a little bit. Yeah. Things are not getting any better in that tank. It's getting worse, if anything. Mm-hmm. Zanza is... Uh, it's calling the shots and not calling them very uh, humanely, uh, if right. if you want to put it lightly. And even Kaminsky, who was sort of his gleeful right hand man, is starting to have doubts about it. Well, and they come to a literal dead end that would be uh, their death if they drove off the cliff, mm-hmm. and kind of realize that maybe um, they can't get out the way they thought they could. So. Um, that all kind of builds to our ending and I don't know. I I feel like this is one of those movies that I really want people to watch. Yeah. And a lot of people probably haven't. So maybe we don't for one of the first times ever on this show, spoil exactly how it goes down there at the end. Yeah. Cause there's some interesting little beats, right? Yeah. There are, there are. And, and you know, it's there, there's a, payoff of uh you know so so 
when the Afghanis find uh, Constantine tied to that rock, and he says Nanawate, and they, you know, Khan finally says, okay, let's, uh, you know, we got to show him mercy. We got to take care of him. Uh, and then by the end of the next scene, Constantine wants revenge. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like that. And then seeing how that all sort of again comes full circle in a way. Totally. And is really great. Yeah. And, and the very, very end is a sort of complicated matter of loyalty, which I think is kind of like if I had to pinpoint a theme in a way, mm-hmm. I, I think I would just use that word because even, yeah. you know, there's some questions of loyalty in the Mujahideen group themselves, specifically with the uh, Mustafa character who, right. you know, is kind of a vulture, just uh, self-serving where he can find weapons and boots and things from the dead Russians. He's more than happy to take that, maybe less driven by the revenge that Taj is. Right. So... You know, and Samad's loyalty to Afghanistan and Patrick's loyalty to his tank crew in Russia and all that stuff. Um, and it ends kind of in a complicated way as far as that is concerned, which felt totally where it should end, right? Yeah. Um, and how it I should end. I don't think end. there's any way out of that that had a nice little bow yeah. on it. And it's a great visual. And whoever the stuntman is that performed that, God bless him, because... <laughs> Yeah, I would not want to be in that situation ever in my life. Uh, and you'll know what I mean when <laughs> no. you see it. Um, yeah. So then, what'd you think of Stephen Baldwin? I, I mean, I liked him. Yeah, me too. To be honest, I, I, I've, I've always, I, I've always found him a likable actor, mm-hmm. especially in that in that early stuff in general. Uh, he was in this. I feel like he is. Uh, playing a sort of naivety and 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 vulnerableness that yes. I don't see in a lot of his characters. No, and Craig, his face is so perfect for that, right? Like yeah. his oh, eyes, absolutely. you know, and I was even thinking about comparing it to like usual suspect where he's like a tough guy, right? Right. And then just thinking I, I, there's probably like a string of films where he was kind of that tough cocky guy and I'm like, "No, that's wrong. He's so much better. It's just like this vulnerable Kind of yeah. sad sack guy. Um, maybe he needs Absolutely. a resurgence. I don't know. Maybe not. I don't want to get. Well, but that's interesting too, yeah. because going back to what we were saying before about how he looks so much like Don Harvey. Yeah. But you put the two of them in a lineup and you look at them, like Don Harvey is the one who's not innocent. Yeah. Right. Sorry, he Don. is not a kid. <laughs> he is. Yeah. Don, you, you're a terrific actor. Go to jail. <laughs> You got something up your sleeve, uh, but but th- but that is what it is. Mm-hmm. Like like you, you can you can kind of feel that malevolence in him on some level, and for which he's perfectly cast. And yeah, and then and then Baldwin has that like he's kind of a kid. Yeah, uh, and and yeah, plays that very well. Absolutely. And and Zunza, I mean, he was great. I can't think of another role of his which i think is kind of a crime because he is he is really terrific in this role i remember him in the deer hunter for sure okay yeah yeah uh i i haven't seen it but i'm i've heard it's good it's an experience i mean you got to commit to it like yeah that opening is uh it is a length is really interesting but yeah anyway no uh i i really do honestly i i I gotta check that out but um 
But yeah, I mean, he, he's so good in this. And it's and it's one of those things. It's the same as Jason Patrick, who I feel like is is kind of a in my mind anyway, kind of a poster child for should have been a movie star. Yeah. For a lot longer. You know, like, yeah, like this was he's great. I mean, yeah. and he's always been great. Like he hasn't been bad in anything, but it's kind of like this thing where like that the way this broke people didn't end up seeing this movie yeah and it's not because the movie is bad that that just happens sometimes especially in like actors sometimes and directors are the ones that you know have to pay the kind of jail fee for that kind of thing uh totally not their fault yeah um you're right though and i will say like and this is probably formed completely out of thin air I watch him, I go, yeah, I buy him as a Russian. Like his little round sure. glasses. Yeah, he looks <laughs> yeah. It. like, yeah, I don't yeah. know. But uh, yeah, I, I thought it was, he was great. Um, let me ask you about this. Mm. So there's a scene where the Mujahideen come upon a um, very small body of water right. that a character drinks from and it's discovered that the Russians, the tank crew had been through here and poisoned the water. I thought that character is left for dead. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, there's I thought a, he was buried. Okay. Thank you. Cause I okay. didn't remember that, but then they go back to the same well and the Russians, there's a, a helicopter and this little thing that happens with them. And some of them yeah. clearly have drank the water. And I was just thinking, I was like, if there was still that body there, the Mujahideen, right. I feel like that would have clued them off to maybe not, to drink that. So I don't know. I did question yeah. that. That was the only sort of like plot thing that I was like, Hmm, I don't know about, but okay. If they buried it, that him, was also such a great turn. Yeah. Like that was just, yeah. So great. So good. I thought the booby trap shell, um, that misfires in the tank. Yeah. That whole sequence was great. I thought, Oh yeah. And then sort of what Mustafa has to do to resolve that, um, with the mm-hmm. gentleman who, uh, met an unfortunate fate with the booby trap was great. Yeah, it just has a lot of um, a lot of these tense moments that just make for good, like again, like second act obstacle stuff. The stakes are continuously getting raised, and you're waiting mm-hmm. for the showdown. It's really simple, really. Right. Like it's uncomplicated to figure out like what's going on and what you're invested in, and then they just sort of complicate the actions of how you get there, and it's resolved. Um, yeah, really nicely yeah. done. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. There's some good dialogue in here too, definitely. For sure. Say that. But I mean, yeah, just I mean, and and just a cast who they just make words sound so good. <laughs> yes. They re- they really do. Definitely. Uh yeah, that's that's a good mix. If you're making a movie, keep that in mind. Good actors, good dialogue. Get, get good actors happen? and definitely have a good script. Okay, well, let me read a little bit more from this email from Dale so we make sure we've covered it all. And I'll start with Dale Dye here. Dale Dye was quite a character, and the difficulty was keeping him sober. You were also required to give him a role in the film, which is why he's there. It's interesting. Makes total sense now, Uh, you know, (laughs) looking back at it. So so Dale Dye's angle was he wanted to be in the movies in the first place. It seems that way, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he always ends up in the movies, so yeah. Yeah. 
It's yeah. not the way I thought I thought of it though. Why I always not? thought it was like the director was like, I like that Dale Die character. Let's put him in the movie. Like that's well, what I was Maybe they do, and it just works yeah. out that way. I mean, clearly sure. Oliver Stone liked him enough. He worked with him like 27 times. Absolutely. So uh, Dale said this was the very first film I produced, which is crazy. That uh, is crazy. So it was a true learning Good experience start. for me. I became best friends with the director, Kevin Reynolds. It was his second feature. Of course, he went on to direct Robin Hood and Waterworld. We are still in touch. That's good to know. That's awesome. Um, please don't let him listen to this because I'll die of embarrassment. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, so here's a story about the helicopter. So we were given a Russian helicopter to use in two scenes, including the critical scene at the end. It was delivered and we shot our first day with it, then wrapped with plans to resume the next morning. But when I arrived on set two hours before the first shot, helicopter was gone, vanished, nowhere in sight. <laughs> How do you lose a helicopter? Um, some panicked phone calls to our old friend Ariel Sharon resulted, and we were finally given back the helicopter. It turned out that the Israeli military had decided to have some fun with a Russian-marked helicopter. They flew it into Lebanon, totally confusing the militias there. If you look carefully at the helicopter in the second scene it is used in, there are three bullet holes near the fuselage that are not in the first scene. Oh I was amazed God. this little stunt did not provoke an international incident. Can you imagine? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. God. We are amazed and grateful yes. also. Because uh, that might have shut down production for one thing and could have killed people for another. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's hope no one was physically harmed in the making of this film and it just looks wow. like they were. That so, was fantastic. Crazy. Thank you, Dale. Thanks so much. I really appreciate yes, thank that. thank you, Dale. I feel like this is one you could talk about for hours. But Craig. Yes. Any last thing on The Beast? <laughs> Without spoiling it, I really did like two things. I really liked how Sunza's story wraps up mm -hmm. uh which involves a couple of threads uh of the of the movie yep really liked the way that was handled um and before that when the tank comes to its to its dead end which was you know uh, uh foreshadowed long sure. before oh yeah yeah they're having all kinds of mechanical problems right and it seems like there's a way out of that. I'm still trying not to spoil. Thinking back to my comments on Handmaid's Tale, that was becoming very frustrating to me how she would get this chance to get out and then choose not to. Mm -hmm. There's yeah. a similar moment in this, and I... But it was such a good example of how that works well, maybe because it's a movie. And it's not uh, six more I'm, seasons of uh, trying exactly. to understand why they made exactly. the decision because sure. it's all set up. It's all there. It works great. Uh, and and it's not it never it, it wasn't to the point where it was testing my patience, you know, yeah, <laughs> which I think not. the series was at that point. Uh, and I, I was just thinking about that where it's just, yeah, someone makes a decision that's like. Like, oh my God, like who, who would make that decision? But it's like, yeah, that guy would make that decision. He would absolutely make that decision. Uh, and it's a really good thing. And it just yeah. twists the screws and I love it. What about you? No, but that is a good, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, no, I just think, you know, for me, I will probably look back on this and think of, oddly, I don't know, like right now I want to say like Jason Patrick 
running around with this RPG on his shoulder with like a band of Mujahideens. Yeah. Which is crazy. Like a madman too. Yeah. Like a madman. Yes. And just yeah. completely committed. And uh, that's kind of nuts to say, given how much this movie uh, has a tank in the frame. Yes. And I love the tank. I mean, I thought that was really fascinating love to it. see it. So yeah, it's a good one. Uh, I think people should definitely check it out. Um, I remember now where I rented this, probably iTunes, but uh, it's it's everywhere. I don't. Well, yeah, think I think it's streaming. on Amazon too. Yeah, yeah, but not Amazon Prime, correct? Not Amazon Prime. Yeah, it is definitely a rental. Yeah, hopefully at some point it'll pop up on one of the streamers so you can watch it without having to pay anything extra. Although, yeah. come on, I only played two theaters, so give Dale some money, right? Um, Man, so, yeah, seriously. <laughs> Yeah, Dale, uh, I contributed, what, like three cents probably to your residuals? <laughs> no. Um, yeah, check it out. I definitely would love to hear from people who have seen it. And thanks again yeah. to uh, whoever you are, Mystery Suggester, for suggesting The Beast. And come back next time. We'll tee up another one, which I think is going to be really, really interesting and maybe involve a for guest. Sure. So that's exciting. Absolutely. I haven't done that in a while. Uh, Craig, last words are yours. Uh, Nanawate, dude. Mm, you got Every it. Every day. Yeah. Bye-bye.